Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. Did you have a dream job when you were growing up? What was it? Put it in the chat there. I don't recall a specific one for me, but I remember a few of them. One, I remember I wanted to be a Marine because my dad was one. Another point at the time, I wanted to be an accountant because I loved math and I liked money, so I thought that would work out. But in college, I got my first real job and it was retail. I worked for Reebok and then Timberland. I started part-time, entered management, and eventually got my own store. Then I worked facilities at a church while I was in Bible college. Then went back to Timberland for a year, and since 2003, I've been involved in vocational ministry ever since. If you look over my career, it's obvious that I've always been in the soul business. That one never gets old, does it, for you? I know, it does, but I'm not going to get rid of it. It's so good. But how about you? Are you living your dream job? You know, I'm not an accountant, but I'm very thankful that I'm still in the soul business. Isn't a dream job just a funny concept? I know a ton of folks in a variety of fields, and every dream job seems to have a lot of drawbacks. I know a former professional athlete that talked about the strain of travel in his family and rejection he felt when he was cut from the pros. I know carpenters that are so skilled with their hands, but at some point their bodies just ache and they're like, man, I would love to have a desk job and uh, that way I could just be there and give my body a break. Then I've also had conversations with office staff that feel the job never turns off and they would love to have a position in a field because it would give them something tangible to see and they would feel like they could clock in and clock out and have better boundaries. I've talked to artists who many think are living a dream, but they worry about paychecks on a regular basis, and they don't like the fear of being rejected or harsh comments. Yes, indeed, a dream job often has drawbacks, doesn't it? One person's dream job could be another person's nightmare. Well, today we're kicking off a series called Good Work, Finding Passion and Purpose in the Space You're In. And maybe when it comes to work, you are fully engaged and passionate, but the odds, honestly, are against you and not in your favor. Gallup polls have been tracking American worker engagement since 2000. Surprisingly enough, last year, 2020, in the midst of all the chaos, produced the highest percentage of engaged employees at 36%. But that still leaves the vast majority of workers not engaged. That means that 64% of American workers are not engaged or actively, or are actively disengaged in their work, meaning they're emotionally disconnected from their workplace and they're less likely to be productive. In this series, we chose language, space you're in, because maybe your space isn't work. Maybe it's not connected to a paycheck. Maybe you're a student, and depending on your grade level, Gallup polls have a lot to say about your satisfaction. 75% of fifth graders feel engaged at school, while only 32% feel engaged in 11th grade. I didn't see why they didn't you know, run it to seniors, but my account was they're probably thinking we're out of here, and they have that mentality. But maybe your current space is a stay-at-home parent or a caregiver to an aging parent. Maybe you're sandwiched in there and you're actually doing both. Maybe to you, work is just boring. You have this lack of ambition or career vision. Maybe you have the opposite problem where work is central to your life and who you are and you probably would be considered over-engaged. You work full-time and you find yourself like the majority of Americans working way more than 40 hours. 
The survey I saw said that 86% of men and 60% of women who work full-time are working way over 40 hours. Regardless of where you are in the context of job, whether you find it as disappointment or you find it as difficult or you're disengaged entirely, this topic is such a major part of our lives that it deserves some attention. Let me ask you, when's the last time you stopped and thought about the topic of work? To me, it is crazy to think how we can just put our nose down to the grind and before we know it, another year goes by. November 3rd, this church will celebrate two years. To think, think how long you've been in the workforce. For me, I got my first paycheck back in 1995. That's 26 years ago. Wow. Well, if we're not careful, we can just coast in dissatisfaction, do our jobs, and just go to retirement. And then we think we'll start living. But the truth is work is a major part of our lives and how we view it matters. How we view our work has huge implications on our psychological health. Many of us, we see work as a necessary evil, just a way to pay the bills, something to endure until retirement. But you know, God, he designed work to be so much more than just a task to endure. Many Christians I know even connect work to the fall into sin. I've heard people say things like, you know, if Adam wouldn't have sinned, life would be perfect. I wouldn't have to work. Well, as we'll see today, that's just simply not true. More than a job, God has created us with gifts and a talents that benefit the world. When we see God as the creator of work, the creator of us, it changes how we see our jobs. There's a story about an organizational consultant interviewing three bricklayers. Maybe you've heard it before. He went to the first guy who was a bricklayer and he found him high up in the scaffolding on the west side of this large building and he asked him, what are you doing? And the guy fired back, getting a paycheck. After asking a few additional questions, he moved on to the guy on the north side of the building. He looked way up and shouted, hey, what are you doing? This guy was a little bit more into his work. He smiled a bit and said, I'm laying bricks. He asked a few more questions and he navigated to the east side and found another guy high up on the scaffolding. He once again yelled up and asked the same question, hey there, what are you doing? And this guy, he just paused for a moment. He looked, what he was doing, let out a big smile and said, here's what I'm doing. I'm building a cathedral for people to come in and experience God together. You know, that's an interesting approach, isn't it? But it's a powerful story, right? All three men were doing the same physical task, but they each saw it entirely different. The first guy, he's putting his time in, exchanging his labor for a paycheck. The second guy is cognizant of the task at hand and his focus is there. But the third guy, he's connected his ability to a much larger vision. He sees how his contribution plays a bigger role than a mediocre task. This is a simple illustration of how any work can be seen as good work when we attach passion and purpose to it. When we see beyond a duty and we connect opportunity, you might think this is a beautiful Hallmark card. I can create notes and send it to friends, but they'll probably just think I'm being snarky. What keeps this from being cliche? Well, I think it takes understanding God's creation of work, God's creation of us, and how it all fits together. A follower of Jesus named Paul wrote this in the letter we call Ephesians. Listen to this verse. For we are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, doing good work is simply doing the work we find ourselves doing today but connecting to it, a godly purpose and passion. You know, when I was selling shoes at the Reebok outlet store, was I Al Bundy selling people's shoes just to get a paycheck? That's an old reference, some of you get it. Most of you probably don't, but he's a real guy. Or was I selling performance footwear that could equip people to live healthier lifestyles at a discounted price 
freeing their resources up for higher purposes. A bit thick, maybe, but it is a higher purpose, right? How about when I was working facilities for a church? Was I simply cleaning up people's messes, paying my rent, or was I eliminating distraction and waste in order for people to come into a facility that was well-lit, clean, organized, and easily accessible for others to experience God? You know, perspective is a powerful thing. And I'll say it again, work is not a curse. It's not a result of the fall. And let's go back to the beginning to explore this concept further. The first thing we have to recognize is God created work. Let's look at Genesis 1.1. It says very simply that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1 outlines the creation account. It was orderly. It was intentional. It was not haphazard. God worked for six days, creating an environment that could sustain and flourish life. God literally put in the first work week. Then after creating, he rested. And he looked back on all his creation accomplishments, and he called it good. It's important for us to recognize that God did not need to create the heavens and the earth. He chose to create the heavens and the earth. And we see over and over again in Genesis chapter 1 that he was pleased with his work and declared that it was good. You know, chapter 1 ends with verse 31, and there it says, God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, making the sixth day. Genesis chapter 2 continues, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. You know, God rested when the work was done. He put in the solid work week, the first work week, and said, it's time to reflect on what was made. It's complete. You know, oftentimes we see paradise as mostly rest and occasional work. But we know that the best rest in our lives is often found after good work is accomplished. God's act of creation was called work. God is a worker. And you may be surprised to hear this, but we were created to be workers also, just like God. Before we read on, two questions for those of you that have a Sunday school background. Where was the place called that Adam was created? And second, what did he do there? Many people think Adam was created in the Garden of Eden, and his primary role was to lay around and play with the animals, to eat food and relax. Do a Google image search without your kids around because he's naked. But you'll find over and over again, he's holding on to an animal. He's petting an animal. He's laying behind a bush or he's laying on the ground. But here's what you never find him doing. Anything fun, or cool, or exciting. He's never building something, climbing something, inventing something. He's never wrestling with an animal. He looks sedative, like the garden is this cage that he's being kept in. Now granted, he was accurately portrayed as naked, so this could you know, give the artist a little challenge to have him be very active. But still, have some creativity, people. Paradise isn't sitting around doing nothing. The only people that just want to lay around are people that are overworked, overwhelmed, and desperate in need of rest. We all want to do things, accomplish things, for something good, something meaningful. So here are a few things that we find in Genesis 2 that present a better picture of the garden life for Adam. First, we learn in Genesis 2, 7 and 8. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. So a little trick question there. He was created outside the garden. So God created man, 
created a garden, placed the man in the garden to rest and relax, right? To lay around? No. Pick up on verse 15. There it says, Genesis 2.15, that the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. He was placed in the garden to work the garden, to care for the garden, to create in the garden, to help that garden flourish and be all that it could be. This was before the fall, before sin occurred. You know, work is how we were created and why we were created. God created us to do good work, and God created us to work too. Humans were part of his creation and were created to be like him, to be able to care and cultivate this world, to create and help this world reach its fullest potential. Back in Genesis 1, listen to these words. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. What we read in this text is that God intentionally created humans to reflect his glory and character. In verse 28, we were given the blessing to fill the earth and govern it to reign over creation. We are appointed by God not to be consumers of all we find on this planet, but to take responsibility and steward all its creation. Consumers, they take. They don't contribute. But workers, people that reign over creation as God intended them to, they see themselves as workers because workers give. They provide care. They nurture. They leave things better than when they found them. The study 33, Amanda's work, really influenced this message today. And I love this quote there. It says, God made us stewards over his creation to care for it, bring order to it, and develop it to its full potential for the benefit of mankind and for the glory of God. Immediately following that entry, they added this quote from Tim Keller. God left creation with deep, untapped potential for cultivation that people were to unlock through their labor. And we are called to stand in for God here in the world, exercising stewardship over the rest of creation in his place as his vice regents. We share in doing the things that God has done in creation, bringing order out of chaos, creatively building civilizations out of the material of physical and human nature, caring for all that God has made. This is a major part that we were created to be. Work is rearranging the raw material of God's creation in such a way that it helps the world in general and people in particular thrive and flourish. What these statements help us do is connect our work to a higher purpose, regardless of the role we find ourselves in. A math class becomes an opportunity to learn the skills to give back to the world in the future. Raising a child or caring for an aging parent helps us to see well beyond the task at hand. We become the embodiment of a loving Heavenly Father, raising up or preparing for a transition into the world beyond. With redeeming love, purpose, and passion infused to our tasks, nothing is meaningless. No role is insignificant. Our work becomes an opportunity to make this world a better place and ultimately honors God in the process. We find our task as an opportunity to connect divine purpose. And regardless of where you work, it becomes good work when you bring this creation mandate to it. What are you taking to your job? Are your God-given talents, resources, and time that God has provided you with central to your role? When you see your work, not as a curse, not as a paycheck, not as a position or title that provides you with an identity, but rather as an opportunity to bring life and energy into an organization, everything changes. This shift in perspective can help you engage your vocation differently, your school differently, 
You're parenting differently. You're caregiving differently. And I'm convinced God has you in your role and needs you to clock in with a full understanding of your purpose and passion in order to play a role in God's bigger story. There's no wasted time. There's just wasted opportunities. One final thought. Jesus was a worker too. Before beginning his public ministry, he was a carpenter for three decades, and we can assume he brought passion and purpose to his field. Jesus calls us not only to believe in him, but to follow him as well. And what we see throughout his life and ministry is that he was a life-giving spirit. Wherever he went, things got better and others flourished. He lived out perfectly the work God commissioned each of us to do in that garden. This is in 1 Corinthians 15.45. Paul tells us, The first man, Adam, became a living person, but the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. Jesus said in John 10.10, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So these texts give us a very practical challenge when it comes to our work. Do we see our work as an opportunity to provide life, to bring fullness, to bring richness? Here's what I know. If you're like the nearly 70% of people that go to work and don't engage with their work, you're probably not a life-giving spirit. If you see work as a curse, a necessary evil, a paycheck, something to endure, then perhaps you enter your workplace not as you were created to be. Maybe you enter it like a taskmaster, there to perform a duty. You clock in, you get the job done, you clock out, then you come alive. Then you start being who you feel you were meant to be. Maybe what you're missing is an opportunity to connect the higher purpose to your vocation. I want to challenge you to read over 1 Corinthians 15.45 and John 10.10 and ask God to connect your current job with a divine purpose and calling. What can he do because he has you there? Think about it. If he could put anyone in your role who was his follower, who was interested in finding passion and purpose, how would they do your job differently? It's an interesting challenge. Well, I'm going to leave you with three really practical ways for you to be a life-giving presence at your work. The first one's pretty simple. Do your job well. If our purpose is to make this world a better place, take your gifts, talents, time, and abilities in there with you. Use them to the best of your ability and then give God the credit. Nothing's better than seeing a job done well. Second is, love while you work. Maybe loving your work feels like a stretch, but you can love others while you're at work. Ask God to give you eyes to see someone needing encouragement. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a customer, maybe it's a boss, maybe it's an employee. But remember, love is an action, not just an emotion. Ask God to show you who you can love practically. And third, be thankful for your provision. Connect the dots with the provision you're providing for others. Be thankful for your paycheck, or if you're in school, the paycheck you're preparing for, or if you're a caretaker, the payment you're not making to someone else. But thank God for that provision, and think how you can continue to provide for others. You know, you may not be able to fully control where you'll go for work this week, but you can 100% control how you go there and what you'll be like when you're there. My hope is you'll show up with passion and purpose and you'll end your day with the knowledge that you put in a day full of good work. Let's pray together. Father God, forgive us when we see work as just a curse, a necessary evil, a time between weekends. God, help us to connect a divine purpose with it. That's going to take work. That's going to take your Holy Spirit's involvement for us to get to that place. So God, we thank you for the opportunity to reflect on work. 
through the lens of your scripture. God, we see you were a worker. You created us to be workers. And Jesus gave an example of work that it produces a life-giving spirit. So help us do that too. We love you and we're thankful for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.